After an accident, minutes matter. Your words and actions matter even more. You need help, and you need it now. This is David vs. Goliath, brought to you by Dolman Law Group Accident Injury Lawyers, a boutique firm with a reputation for going head-to-head -head with the insurance company giants and putting people over profits. Welcome to another episode of the David vs. Goliath podcast. I'm attorney Matt Dolman with my uh, business partner and esteemed colleague, Stan Guyip, and we have our guest today is uh, Anthony Russo. Anthony's a uh, trial lawyer out of Fort Lauderdale, coming off of a fresh, a huge verdict. I'll let him discuss that in a minute. But uh, Anthony's a seasoned uh, trial lawyer, originally hailing from the Bronx, New York. And what we're going to get down to today is tort reform. How bad did DeSantis actually fuck us? What did he do to hurt plaintiffs in his state? And really, before I get going, you know, I can be really long-winded. Stan, why don't you discuss the analogy you brought up this morning and how consumers should really be looking at this and how they were kind of uh, almost uh, hoodwinked, if you will. Well, okay. So, so I'll open this in that I, I really think this was one of the biggest farces that's been put out there by the legislature. Okay. They managed to pit this as a fight where it's attorneys against the public. We, as the public, do something about all the money these greedy attorneys are making. Look at these billboards. Look at all this. You need to stop this. Okay, well, as an attorney, I get a contingent fee, okay? I only get paid if I collect money for an injured person. So really, the way I get paid is collecting money for the public from insurance companies for legitimate claims, okay? The only way to lower my salary is to lower the amount the public gets for these legitimate claims because I'm getting a piece of that money, nothing else. Mm-hmm. So they managed to get the public to agree to say, you know what? We want to get less for our insurance claims so that these attorneys don't make as much money. I mean, it's the same logic like, hey, we all think the government gets too much money, right? We pay too much in taxes. You know how to solve that? We should all just take home half as much money for our salary. Then the government will only get half as much taxes and we'll show that. It's pretty much it. Yeah, it's the same exact logic. It's crazy. I mean, I can't believe they managed to pull the wool over everyone's eyes and get everyone to agree to this. It's like people are up there saying, yeah, we want less money so the attorneys don't get any of it. It's it's bizarre logic. Oh, it's pure bullshit. I mean, it's theater of the mind. Anthony, what are you seeing in your practice right now? Have you seen any uh, any impact from tort reform? Is it too soon? You know, I've been doing this a long time. It reminds me of the early 2000s when the assault came on medical malpractice cases, uh, where they had that tort reform uh, under the Bush administration. They tried to cut attorneys' fees, telling the clients, you're going to get more, the attorney's going to get less. What it ended up is that attorneys didn't even want to take the cases anymore. And when they finally did, most of the clients agreed to work around and say, hey, we want you to get paid because that's going to motivate you to help us out. You can't afford these cases any other way. We're willing for you to keep it under the old way way it was where you're getting paid what you deserve to fight a long, you know, two or three or four year battle that usually, you know, entails spending several hundred thousand dollars of money that the attorney's laying out to prosecute the case. And, you know, in the end, the efforts at tort reform and dividing and conquering us from our clients didn't work. And I don't know necessarily it's gonna work this time. I mean, isn't a point of the justice system, or let me rephrase, the point of the contingency fee model, and for those who don't understand that, 
unlike most fields of law, we do not take retainers. We get paid. It's contingent, meaning an event has to occur. That event has to be a settlement or a verdict before we get paid our fee. So the point of the contingency fee model is to provide access to the courts. Doesn't tort reform curb access to the courts? Doesn't prevent most consumers from having access to the courts? Doesn't it curb it? Does it thwart it at all? It certainly limits it, okay? I mean, everything everyone does outside of their charitable work and their family is based on income, okay? Mm -hmm. You put efforts out there because you want to make money. You better yourself because you want to make money. You work hard because you want to make money and provide for your family. The more money that's out there related to a claim, the more likely an attorney is going to be willing to put forth his money because contingency is two things. It's not just I get a piece of the money on the back end, but sometimes I am fronting up to a hundred to two hundred thousand dollars in costs out of pocket to bring these claims to trial up front. Correct. And there's no guarantee, right? This concept of the frivolous case, okay, if the frivolous case is there, the jury gives you zero. Okay, you, you don't win the frivolous case. Okay. The only frivolous case is someone else's. I can promise you that. No one's ever had their claim and looked at it and said it's frivolous. But we get out there, we present these damages to six people, and they tell us what it's worth. Okay, the concept that this needs to be limited, the concept that somehow these six people in the box making a decision are like Wild West gunmen just trying to give away money at, you know, willy-nilly, to, it's, it's, it's a farce, and it's what's been sold by the insurance companies to the public. It's been presented as something we need to stop, and once again— who is making the decisions about how much people get? It's the public. That's who's sitting in the jury box. And so now they're saying, look, we've got to limit your ability to decide how much people get. We're going to limit the, your ability to get paid. I'm not going to be well. You know, if, if the payday at the end of the rainbow is a potential $500,000 payday, someone will be willing to put $100,000 in costs out there to try to get there and get a good recovery for the client. If the potential payday at the end of the rainbow is $100,000, no one's going to spend those costs. And that legitimate claim never gets brought because no one can afford to take the risk. How did this act of legislation, Anthony, Stan, if you will, how did this curb nuclear verdicts? You know, the, the whole statement that originally came out of DeSantis's mouth is we got we to gotta hit the billboard lawyers. And the, uh, the mantra that was, you know, echoed by the Republican legislature is, how do we shut down the ability to get these astronomical jury verdicts on big damages cases that should never have been paid out? From what I've looked at, at least my version of, or my understanding of the, iterate, the final iteration of the bill, this doesn't do anything to curb nuclear verdicts. I'll go ahead and say that um, the answer is very clear. Just do away with the jury system because that's what they're actually trying to do. They want to do away with the jury system because it is the very juries, like Stan said, that are returning these verdicts and they're speaking on it. This is, look, the, the public has spoken. The public thinks that John Q. Public, who was injured in a catastrophic car accident, deserves to get, you know, $17 million verdict because he can't ever walk again or, you know, fend for himself or take care of himself or feed himself or clothe himself for the rest of his life. That's a jury of your peers that have decided that. So the attempt is to eliminate the jury system because that's the only way it's really going to be able to be done. The biggest thing they did is get in and meddle with what you're allowed to present for medical bills, right? Your future medical bills, your current medical bills. And I'm going to get into a little bit of that because I've got problems with it. But let's talk about nuclear verdicts, okay? 
Nuclear verdicts don't result mm-hmm. from someone getting $10 million for future medical bills or $20 million for past medical bills, the stuff that's been limited. Medical bills are bills. You know, you show them. They are what they are. The cost is going to be what it is. The fifth box, the last box on the jury verdict form is your pain, suffering, mental anguish, loss of ability to enjoy life. That's where the reins are off. That is where juries can award whatever they feel is reasonable for what the person's been through. That's where juries can put 20, 30, 40 million dollars in those boxes. And you know what? If someone's paralyzed, they might deserve it. But that's the box that really creates a nuclear verdict, and it completely has not been limited in this case. The only thing that's been limited is medical bills. And part of what's happened is they're limiting, they're introducing evidence of future medical bills at what's known as a Medicare rate, essentially. Okay, which, hey, let's talk. First glance sounds okay. Problem is, you may not have Medicare. You may not have health insurance. Okay, when someone with Blue Cross and Blue Shield walks into the doctor's office, it's not like they're walking in by themselves and negotiating a rate. Someone has negotiated a rate for them based on the 10,000 to 50,000 people they're sending to that office a year. Mm -hmm. You don't have that same negotiating power. So you've been paralyzed. You now need to go get medical treatment. Your paralysis is a pre-existing condition when you go try to get insurance. So you don't have insurance rates applying to your care. You've got to go pay what you have to pay. You've got to pay your cash rates. You've got to pay what the doctor charges because you don't have that leverage of a team of 1,000 people negotiating down. But now what the legislature's done is say, no matter what your situation is, no matter what you qualify for, all your medical bills get introduced at this reduced rate. There's no requirement that someone ever prove that you could actually get that reduced rate. Okay, you may have to pay 10 times that. And then you know what? You're going to have to pay some of this recovery to an attorney who got you the settlement. So if anyone who goes through this and has to actually see it in action is going to be appalled at what the legislature did to them. Going back a second, you know, Anthony made a comment about John Q. Public and returning a $17 million verdict in, um, in one uh, iteration, or you know, I don't know if you're talking about a particular case or just you're just giving a hypothetical, but you guys have both picked a number of juries in the past. Is Florida climate where we haven't seen tort reform. I mean, when you pick juries and you're paneling these juries, you're pulling these juries, what do they think of lawyers? You know, it's all across the board. Uh, There's some people that just absolutely hate attorneys and hate juries, hate the fact that people can make a claim and don't think anybody should do anything. All right. Mm -hmm. You've got another side of people that think just because someone got hurt, somebody has to pay. That's all they need to know. Someone got injured, someone else has to pay. The good thing about our jury system is we've got what's known as challenges for cause. So anybody who sits out on one of these crazy limbs that thinks everybody should get paid or nobody should get paid, they don't get to sit on the jury. So it's not the Wild West. It is not. You know, and it's this is a battle between two sides. So if someone's saying nobody should get paid, I'm kicking them off the jury because I want my client to get paid. Mm -hmm. If someone is sitting there saying everybody deserves to get paid, well, that jury is getting stricken by the defense. And what happens is the jury is not the first six people that are picked. It's the first six people that aren't eliminated by either side. The first six people that both sides agree yeah, they don't seem too biased one way or the other. Understood. Yeah, I think when you when you talk about picking a, a jury, sometimes you spend two, three, four days picking a jury. And sometimes the most important part of 
of the of the case, sometimes the most difficult part of the case is finding six people that you're going to be able to get on that jury. And plenty of times jury pools have been sent back uh, because they couldn't pull anybody from him and brought up. So it's very methodical. It's very strategic. It's it's the furthest thing, Matt, like you said, from the Wild West. Going further, absent, you know, Palm Beach, Broward, maybe Dade County, we're not looking at a lot, a lot of liberal jurisdictions in the state of Florida, especially when you start getting to North Florida, West the West Coast, and you get to Manatee and Sarasota County and Lee County and Collier. These are very, these are Republican bastions. You have very right-leaning juries. They're not giving away money. That's why I think the general public has been bamboozled by this tort reform. I don't think it was necessary. I understand why there was reform in terms of first-party property insurance lawyers who had run amok with many of the roofing claims. But then they hit the personal injury lawyers. The, are the auto and casualty uh, insurance companies losing money? Am I missing something here? No, you're not missing anything. They're making money hand over fist. And now we start getting into the back way, back door of how insurance companies work. It's a very opaque thing. Uh, insurance companies have a reason to sort of not necessarily show all their profits on the bottom line. There are management companies that can extract exorbitant fees for managing the insurance company, which just, and these management companies just happen to have the same owners as the insurance company. So, hey, we're going to overpay the management company with all our profits. So it looks like the insurance company isn't making much and we can plead poverty to the legislature saying, help us, help us, help us. In reality, the people are lining their pockets, okay? The insurance executives are lining their pockets. The insurance company owners are lining their pockets. There are instances like with roofing claims, okay, and very specific situations where, sure, it looks like people found a loophole in the system, they exploited it, and it cost the insurance companies a lot of money. That loophole got closed quick, okay? When there are true loopholes, when there are true things getting exploited, no one gets behind it to support it. You and I, none of us were sitting here thinking this whole roof claim business was a good thing. We were looking at it going, this is killing the, you know, this is killing the industry. This isn't fair. It's going to make my insurance rates go up. Yeah. But to elaborate on Stan's point, that the market corrects itself. If there is some overcharging of roofing companies, juries are going to react to it um, when they hear the facts, and they're going to make that correction. If there's, you know, insurance companies being very, very stingy and not paying legitimate claims, then the jury system and the juries are going to correct that market and fix it also. So it all comes down to having access to juries and having fair information on both sides. If you want to talk about the Wild West, Matt, um, the Wild West is is the way Florida allows these insurance companies to come in and completely run roughshod over any other rules that they have in other states. And we have some of the most lax insurance rules here where these companies can come in here and really do whatever they want as far as compliance and reporting, um, like Stan had said. And, you know, it, it, it makes the tables, you know, very, very lopsided compared to what we're allowed to do. So, you know, the most recent bill, this, this act of legislation that was passed in the third week of March, was meant to put more money in the pocket of the consumers. Did they, you know, reduce insurance premiums? No. I, I don't know how this puts— Because they, they call it a tort tax. Remember they said it's a tort tax based on these huge verdicts of cost, the average Floridian $800 a year or some bullshit like that. Who knows where the fuck they got that number, but— 
if you juxtapose that, are they returning money to the actual premium holders, the, the policy No, holders? there's nothing at all in the statute that requires the insurance companies to lower anyone's premium one iota. There is nothing in there that requires that at all, okay? If you look in there, this essentially limits what insurance companies have to pay for pu- or what we're allowed to introduce as evidence of people's future medical needs. And if you've never been through this process, it sounds simple, okay? If you've got whiplash, who cares, right? I mean, if it's whiplash, we're not talking about something. If you've truly got a spinal fusion, okay, if you're 35 years old and you can no longer drive a truck because of a spinal fusion and you're relegated to, you know, working behind the counter in a convenience store for the next 50 years, that's a big deal, Okay, the pain, Mm -hmm. those are million-dollar claims. Those are seven-figure claims. I don't care how you see it, and you may think a million dollars is a lot, but you're not trading places with them for a million dollars. I mean, how much money would we have to pay you to go, you know what, I'll be paralyzed for the rest of my life. If I offered you $25 million right now, neither one of you would take it. If I offered you 50, neither one of you would take it. It's not— 50? Yes, 50. If you get 50? to be paralyzed for the rest of your life, no way. Okay, none of us would— yes. No, So, uh, no. you know, here's the thing. You may look at a nuclear verdict, right? How many times have you looked at that verdict and said, I want to change places with the person that got it? Never. There's always a reason for it. I've had, in almost 30 years of practicing— I've never had one client say to me, and I've been involved in several, you know, eight and nine figure verdicts. I've never had one client say to me, oh, I like where I am right now. If I could go back and and redo this and go back to start and not have this, I'd choose to be here where I am with all this money in my pocket. Never happened. I don't think it ever will. The last thing you want to have happen to you is an eight figure claim. Okay, that means you've had something debilitating life-changing, life-altering in every respect happened to you. Yeah, your quality of life has just been greatly diminished. Yeah, it, it doesn't. It's not because you got in a little fender bender and you got whiplash and now you get to lay on easy street for the rest of your life. It doesn't work like that. So let's leave with this. Uh, where do we see tort reform going? Where How is this going to play out over the next year or two? Uh, really, I think we're at a stage of recalibration. Okay, we're at a okay. stage where... The law has been introduced. We haven't had enough trials and cases make their way through the system to see how juries really interact and how receptive they are to the new evidence that's being presented. Uh, So we really don't know how to evaluate some of the aspects of these new claims. I think the market will recalibrate over the next few years. And I think once it becomes evident just how unfair this is for people, what people are truly getting in their pockets for the future meds, the money they put in their pockets will not pay for their future medical care. Mm -hmm. When they start realizing that and start seeing it, I hope there's a sort of a groundswell that pushes this back through the legislature and it gets readdressed. Only problem is the last, I mean to cut anything off, but the last 116 acts of uh, tour reform throughout the United States on only seven occasions— have they reversed it? Just keep that in mind. You know, I, I understand that, but people got to see the way this plays out and what it does to the public before they really get upset about it. I apologize, Anthony. You had a good point. Yes, I think we're going to need to look to other states and other jurisdictions that have kind of been ahead of us in tort reform and have had some of these, you know, some of our colleagues who've gone through this 
and just kind of see where those states are going with it. And that's probably, you know, where we're going to end up down the road. Man, one of the discussions has been that we're not going to board meds anymore to open up Pandora's box and that discussion. Because that is a slippery slope. starts to get into the doctor-lawyer relationship and these medical bills we can board. Most of the top trial lawyers we know in other states, and we talk to them all the time, Anthony Stan, is they tell us they don't board their meds. I mean, that might be a possibility. You know, but you've got certain cases, and this is where, you know, and I, and I know this is a little bit nuanced, but you've got certain cases where people aren't going to suffer a lot. They're not going to lose a lot of work, okay? But they need expensive treatment along the way to keep them in that condition. Yeah. Okay, that's where you're going to have a problem because you need the meds. That's what it is. Now, hey, I'm not suffering. I'm not doing this, but I need these procedures to my back so I don't feel the pain and they're temporary. So I need them every year. Those are the cases that are going to be most difficult. Agreed. Any closing comments? I think we've, uh, we've kicked this horse. I think the insurance company miscalculated, and I think that's what we're going to see in the future. You know, the same reason they're trying to divide and conquer us is they think juries are fools and people are fools because they've been pulling the wool over their eyes for a lot of years, turning them against the very people that are trying to turn them against the very people that are helping them while at the same time taking money out of their pockets. And I think in the long run, I think the insurance companies are going to be proven to be the real fools. Before we wrap up another episode of the David and Goliath podcast, I, I want to point out Anthony's new beard. Stan, what's the verdict on it? I, I, I mean, I've talked to a few people about this including Mike Rose and a few of our other close friends, Nussbaum, they all think that uh, Anthony looks a lot younger and uh, more just sharp. It's a sharper uh, image. You know, I'm starting to get used to it. I saw it when I came back from vacation for the first time. I was like, wow, Anthony's got the beard. I like it. I'm wanting to see it in person, though. You know, it's, it's only been podcasting. You've got this little frame. Yeah, I think you need to come in and touch and feel it soon. Yes. Can't wait to get down there and rub it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, if I wasn't the guys, we could be something. All right, so that wraps up another episode of David and Goliath Podcast. I thank you both, my partner in crime, Stan Guy, my good friend, Anthony Russo. Thank you again, and have a great day. This episode of David versus Goliath is over, but your journey is just getting started. To share your story with us, visit dolmanlaw.com. That's D-O-L-M-A-N law.com. Or call 866-965-6242. The insights and views presented in David vs. Goliath are for general information purposes only and should not be taken as legal advice for any individual case or situation. The information presented is not a substitute for consulting with an attorney, nor does tuning into this podcast constitute an attorney-client relationship of any kind. Any case result information provided on any portion of this podcast should not be understood as a promise of any particular result in a future case. Dolman Law Group. Big firm results. Small firm personal attention.